Good morning. Hey, get your Bible, uh, your journal, whatever you take notes with out. Uh, turn to John 17. That's where we're going to start today. If you are a, a guest with us or just joining us or just tuning in for the first time online, we've been uh, walking through a series called Say What? Okay, and, and what we've been talking about are a number of things. Uh, church words, church ideas that, that don't necessarily get discussed outside of church, and we're trying to provide some meaning uh, to these phrases and these words. And these are words like sin, salvation, sovereignty, uh, journaling. And last week we talked about water baptism, this public uh, declaration of this inward transformation where you meet Jesus, your life is changed, and you publicly proclaim that Jesus is Lord of your life. And in doing that, we talked about leaving an old life behind and stepping into a new life. That's what water baptism signifies. This week, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week and look more at what it means to live out this new life in Jesus. What does it really look like to live as a follower of Jesus, as a new creation? Or as another way the scripture talks about is, is the new birth. We're born again. We accept Jesus. We're born again. This process of learning how to walk out our life with Jesus is called sanctification. This is our church word. Also a good Scrabble word if you can pull that off. Um, there's not enough letters. I'm, I'm rifling through like you only got seven. You can Anyway, we actually don't use the word sanctification very much uh, in our context. We don't say the word sanctification, but we use other words that are, mean the same thing, like renewal and restoration and uh, formation, growth. Those are the same ideas as this word sanctification. And the Greek word is hageosmos, which means the state or process of being set apart for the purposes of God. The state or process of being set apart for the purposes of God. And we're actually going to spend a couple weeks on this topic. Because uh, next week, Zach's going to preach on holiness. And holiness is about being set apart. So it's the same idea. We're going to cover it a couple weeks. And it's worth it. Because from this moment on, if you've given your life to Christ, everything that you're to give yourself to is sanctification until he returns. So it's worth spending a, a couple weeks on. Uh, the, I've mentioned the theologian Stanley Grenz. He defines a couple of, of different dimensions to sanctification, and these will be important for our conversation today. Uh, the first is positional sanctification. And he defines it as our position before God, which we enjoy by our new status in Christ. Through our relationship with Christ, God has declared us to be set apart, holy, we belong to him. So that's positional sanctification. Conditional sanctification is the actual transformation of our lifestyle, the morality that arises out of our new position and progressively comes to characterize our lives. So these are a couple of dimensions of sanctification. And let me give you an illustration uh, that can hopefully help explain this a little bit better. We have two kids, as you know, Zeke and Thea. And they were both born into our family. And they will now forever be my kids. There's nothing that can really change that. I'll forever be their dad. 
and they have been set apart now as Barnhart children. This, that's positional sanctification. When you give your life to Christ, you experience a new birth. You're born again. You begin life in the family of God. You are a son and daughter of God. That's settled your family now. Uh, now with Zeke and Thea, they are positionally sanctified in light of the illustration. But even though they're Barnhart children by birth, they have no idea what it means to be Barnhart children yet. Right? That's Katie and I get to teach my kids what it means to be Barnharts. Now, in our case, to be followers of Jesus. And that is a process. Anybody that has raised children or helped with kids, there's a lot of learning that has to go on, right? For them to understand your family values, the things that you stand for, what you do and what you don't do. That's, that's conditional sanctification. So positionally, there are kids But over time, we're actually teaching them how to live as our kids, how to live as Barnard children. We are learning how to live as followers of Jesus, even though if we've given our life to Christ, we're already his. Are you with me? This is making sense. This is God's heart and plan for all of us. That we would become his children, because we already are, he created us, that we would accept the work of Jesus, join the family, and that he would train us and teach us and shape us to look more and more like his son, Jesus. This is what we get to be a part of. And and Jesus entered the world to show us what this looks like. He he gave us an example. As we discussed last week, at the beginning of his ministry, he was baptized in water, signifying a new birth, a new way of living. He didn't have anything to leave behind, but he was paving the way for us. And then his life, his mission was to show us the way of God, to show us the heart of God, to show us how God speaks, what God expects, uh, how to treat one another. And then he gathered people around around him and he said, come follow me. And he he said, I'm going to teach you how to live like me. And he gave them opportunities to practice and try things out. Did they always get it right? (laughs) No. Do you always get it right? Okay. So this is what Jesus does. He calls us to himself, and then he gives us opportunities to trust him, to put our faith in him, to follow his lead and his direction. And hopefully over time, we're becoming more and more aligned with who he is, with what he says, with what he does, with how he interacts with the world. That is the process of sanctification that all of us are working out. Let's go to our first text uh, to see this. John 17. We'll be in a few places today. Um, John 17, this is near the end of the ministry of Jesus, and it's in this very kind of intimate moment with Jesus and his followers. They're sharing a meal. He's teaching them a lot uh, over this this meal in chapters 13 to 17, but we're going to zoom in on him praying, and in your Bible, this might have a title in your Bible, the high priestly prayer. So, So this is Jesus talking to his heavenly father about the disciples, his followers. Let's pick it up in verse 15 uh, for our discussion today. Here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world... So I have sent them into the world. 
And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So the prayer of Jesus for his disciples was, God, sanctify them in the truth, in your word. Set them apart in your truth. And he says, listen, I've set the example for them. I've showed them the way. I've set myself apart so that they would know what it means to live set apart. So help them live set apart. Notice that he says, don't take them out of the world. Protect them from the evil one and teach them to live set apart lives. This is what Jesus prays. And this prayer is applied to these disciples, but it's applied to anybody who's said yes to Jesus throughout history. His prayer over us is that we would be set apart in truth, that we would be sanctified, that we would be holy, that we would be like him. That's the heart of Jesus for you and me. He wants to build us into the type of people that live and act and speak like him. And the amazing part of this story uh, is that Jesus did not leave us alone in our own strength to work this out. This is a powerful part of the story. When we put our trust in him, he actually gives us his spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit that empowers us and strengthens us and guides us in this process. Uh, Flip back to chapter 16 in your Bible. Let's look at this real quick. This again, is, it's in the same meal, and Jesus is telling them uh, that, that he's, he's about to go, or the, the crucifixion is about to happen, the resurrection is about to happen, that's, that's later, but he's preparing them for this moment when he's going to leave. And here's what he tells them in chapter 16, verse 5. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he'll declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This promise is amazing. Here's the promise of Jesus to the disciples. Just as he had physically walked with them in the flesh for three years, showing them the heart of God, the way of God, just as he had done that in in a physical body, he was now going to send his spirit himself to come and live inside of them to walk with them in the same way. The the term is the helper, the advocate, the one who comes alongside. 
So he's saying, listen, I, you have seen me live. You've seen the way I've treated people. You've seen the way I talk to people. You've seen the way I handle conflict. You've seen the way I handle just difficult people. You've, seen, you've watched this. We've shared meals together. I'm about to go away, but I'm going to give you myself. I'm going to place my spirit inside of you, and my spirit is going to teach you all the same things that I taught you while I was with you. That's what is available to us. That's what Jesus has given to us when we proclaim Jesus as Lord of our life. When we enter the waters of baptism, we are saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit so that I can walk with you. And trust me, we need the spirit of God within us to guide us into truth, to empower us to walk out truth. If you ever tried to do this on your own, doesn't work. <laughs> you get pretty exhausted pretty quick. This is incredible. God not only saved us through his amazing love and grace, he gave us everything we need to walk with him. In other words, he's pretty darn good to us. He saw you at your worst. He, rec he rescued you. He rescued me. And then he gave us himself so that we can live before him in the way that he originally designed us to live. It's amazing. So let's get to the practical side of, of living this out. What does this look like in our lives today? Uh, flip to Galatians 5. We're going to go one more place. Paul uh, is writing this letter, and he provides some guidance for us on what it means to live a sanctified life, a set-apart life, a different life. And it has everything to do with staying in alignment with what the Spirit of God is calling you to live out. So if you've given your life to Christ, His Spirit lives inside of you, it's calling you to live a certain way, to empower you to live a certain way. And according to Paul, that is what it means to live a sanctified life, is to just follow the, the direction of the Spirit in all things. Chapter 5, verse 16 of Galatians. Here's what he says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So Paul tells us, and again we talked about this last week a little bit, but Paul tells us that you know a lot about what is going on inside of a person by what is coming out of a person. You know, personally, a lot of what's going on inside of you by what is coming out of you. 
There's clear indicators. These are clear indicators to us of moments when we're aligned with the work of the Spirit and when we're not. He, he lays it out. He defines it. He says, here's what you're going to find when you're aligned with what the Spirit of God is doing, and here's what you're going to find when you're not. So let me illustrate this uh, visually. Let's say um, that today this middle part of the stage uh, is sanctification. This is me living out my life in Christ, following the work of the Spirit. And according to Paul, if I live in this space and I, and I stay in alignment to what the Lord is calling me to and I'm responsive to the work of the Spirit in my life, as I'm living in this space, I'm experiencing something very special, the fruit, the outpouring of the Spirit's work inside of me. And that looks like love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. As long as I'm staying in alignment to these things, I'm experiencing the fruit. And not only me, but the people around me experience the fruit, right? As long as I stay within this space, and you've experienced people, I mean, you've probably been around somebody that you can't put a finger on it, but you're like, there's something different going on inside of you. Like, I'm drawn to what's happening inside of you. Maybe you've experienced that where you're walking through even difficult, tragic things, but somehow you're able to maintain a certain amount of joy. That's because the Spirit of God is inside of you, and He gives you something that you can't give yourself. But as I mentioned earlier, sanctification is a process. Look at somebody next to you and say, oh, it's a process. <laughs> it's a process. This is always being worked out. So this means that there are moments where we're not walking by the Spirit. Can anybody testify to that? So if this middle is uh, sanctification, then, then in this space is where I experience the work of the Spirit inside of me, and I experience love, joy, peace, all of those things. But if I step outside of this space, and I start living out here, outside of alignment with the Spirit, what happens inside of me? I start dealing with things like a divisive heart and, and anger comes to the service and malice comes to the service and, and I kind of start looking like a gremlin. Have you ever experienced that with somebody? <laughs> now, if, if that happens, this is what's beautiful about this text. It's like so helpful because if this is going on, it's an indicator that there's something going on inside of my heart that's not under the leadership of the Lord. So I just go, huh, what is that thing? Help me see it. Oh, that's what that thing is. Okay. I'm going to leave that back there. I'm going to come back into this space because this is way better to live in. That's, that's the process. That's the sanctification process. It's learning to stay in this space, right? This is what Paul calls the, the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. And when we're living outside of this space, our gut response when we're living outside of here and we're experiencing all of these things that just make us feel, Ugh, is to try to help everybody else around us figure their lives out so that we don't feel that way. But for some reason, it doesn't fix the problem. If all of you would just figure your life out, I wouldn't feel what I'm feeling on the inside. For goodness sakes. 
figure it out. Come on, I'm, I'm talking to, to marriages, I'm talking to close friendships, I'm talking to community, right? Gosh, can you get your life in order so that I can have peace? No, the reason you don't have peace is because you're not in alignment with what the Spirit is calling you to. So the next step is actually, this is what's going on inside of me, I need to get back over here. Are you with me? This is the process on a personal level. But now let's talk about, this is where it gets really fun. Let's talk about how this plays out, this sanctification process, how it plays out within a community. A bunch of people working on this process together. You can see how it gets messy, right? So, in a community of faith, that's the one that you're sitting in right now, or tuning in with, there are certain values that we've ascribed to. And they're around the person of Jesus. We believe he is Lord. We believe his way is the best way. We believe that what he says is the most important. We believe that living like him is what we're called to live like. These are agreements that we've made around what we've seen revealed to us in the scriptures and how we know Jesus as our personal savior. So we have ascribed to those ways together as a community. So let's walk through this illustration again. Uh, but first, I need you to, to practice a couple things with me. First, I want you to um, uh, give me two thumbs up and a big smile. I can see it under your mask. It's okay if you got a mask on. Okay? Okay? Good, good. And then I, we're going to do one more thing. I want you to just give me like a, like a forlorn, sad, like, face. You guys are not great at that one. Let's try that again. It's hard when I'm smiling at you to frown at me, right? So, okay. Okay, I got to work on that. So check this out. Let's imagine as a community of faith, here I am. I'm living in alignment with the Spirit. I'm experiencing the fruit of the Spirit. You're watching this happen in my life. As the community of faith that's watching somebody that you know and care about, this could be me, you could be standing up here, it could be any of us, as we're living in our set-apart life before Christ, our response to that is what? Right? Man, oh, it's so good! Right? When you watch somebody love and serve and give of themselves, when you watch somebody like lay down their life, when you see somebody operate in grace to others when they don't deserve it, so good. Now, as the person, whoever this is, me or you, as we begin to maybe step outside of what we know to be set apart life in Christ, and we start walking over here. I'm already feeling it off in my own heart, if I can acknowledge that, which is part of the issue. But as a community of faith, if you see me living over here, what's your response? Now, I wanna be very clear. I, I did a sad face on purpose. Because I think that most of us picture 
God and God's people seeing us in this moment with an angry face, with a how dare you face, with a, with a I can't believe you face. God grieves when we're out of alignment. He loves us. He wants nothing more than for us to live over here and to call us to draw us back into that. He doesn't pick up a club and start beating us. But as a community of faith, what's beautiful is we come alongside one another in love. Jesus came, it's amazing, it's described as Jesus coming full of grace and full of truth. Full of both. Only Jesus can pull off being full of two different things. Full of grace and full of truth. So it's not that he doesn't say, hey, you're out of alignment here. It's not that we don't say you're out of alignment here, but it's full of grace and truth. It's calling people back to something that we've all agreed this is what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus. So, as we work this out, you can see how this could get a little bit messy sometimes, right? But, but this is the process of sanctification. God is changing us and forming us by the communities that he has placed us in. We actually need one another. This idea that we can kind of work out our relationship with God on our own, we actually don't need the body of Christ or the church, I'm very confused by that. We need one another. We need to look in each other's faces. We need to know each other's stories. We need to support and care for one another, pray for one another, cry with one another. That's the beauty of living out our faith together. And we are being sanctified individually and as a community as we live our lives before, before Jesus. Let me give you a, an example um, for my life this week. Now, to be clear, this is an example of a, a better moment in Drew's story of living out a sanctified life. Um, I'm giving you a highlight. This isn't always the case, but I'm learning of an interaction with one of my kids this week. Okay? Um, I experienced this. We went and had dinner with some friends, and, uh, and my kids were playing in the other room, and my, one of my children got very frustrated at another child and said something that was just rough. Like, what? Right? Now, in some moments, I don't always respond great in those moments. In this one, I recognized, whoa, 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 this, this is not okay. Now, for my son, he already understood, whoa, this is off based on who I am and how my family is. He already knew that. I didn't even need to tell him that. He already knew that. And so I went, when I went into the other room, the first thing that I did was I made sure that he knew that our love was secure. Positionally, it's the positional sanctification piece. What we need to know when we're in the wrong is that love is the foundation of the relationship and it's unchanging. Yes. Then we can actually be transformed. Now, I'm not great at this. The, the times where I have gotten angry or yelled, that actually creates a separation, which doesn't allow for a lot of transformation all the time. So love has to be a foundation. So I grabbed my son. I said, hey, first of all, um, I love you. Okay? That's nothing that will ever change that. I try to tell my kids that all the time. 
Nothing you do in your life will ever change how much I love you. I'm going to get frustrated with you at times, but my love for you is secure. So I grabbed my shoulders. I said, I love you. It's okay. But you know that like what came out of your mouth isn't something that we say as a family, is it? He already knew that. He said, yeah, I know. I said, when we say things like that, we actually hurt relationship and push people away, and that's not who we want to be as a family, right? Yeah. Okay, can we work on that together? I'm working on that too, Zeke. You can call me on that. When I'm not looking like Jesus, call me on it. We're working this out as a family. This is a small microcosm of what it looks like to do this together. So when we're out of alignment, when we're not walking in the spirit, and you have people in your community that you're living life with are living outside of that, we move towards them in grace and love. We meet them where they are. Positionally, love is the foundation. But we call them up to life in Christ. And you're, you're on the hook for this, by the way, because when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he said to the disciples, go out and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say um, to pastors and leaders, you guys do all this work. <laughs> this is actually a community activity. We are working this out together. So when you have a conflict with somebody, when you see somebody walking out of alignment, um, you don't need necessarily a pastor or a leader to come and do that for you. Are you hearing me? Now, sometimes that's the case, and that's okay. But there's a lot that's supposed to be worked out in relationship. And we're all a part of that story because we are all being disciples and making disciples. It's a mission that all of us are called to. And we get to live this out together. This is sanctification. If this is an uncomfortable process, or this is something that's like, oh, I don't know about that, the church is going to be an uncomfortable place. It always will be. Because this is what we're called to. This is what he's doing in us and through us and around us. Is anybody grateful this morning that God is so faithful to complete the work that he started in you and in me? That the entire process, he is faithful to us. That he walks alongside us teaching us, guiding us, correcting us, encouraging us, and that he surrounds us with people to help in that process. I'm so thankful for that this morning. Next week, uh, Zach is going to share more uh, about how this connects with holiness and what it means to be holy as, as Christ is holy, and how do you even do that? I'm looking forward to that message. Um, but we're going to close by taking communion today. Worship team, you guys can join me. Get your communion elements out. Everything that we talked about today, this whole process, is only possible because of what Jesus has done by going to the cross for a world full of sinners, laying his life down so that sin and death could be dealt with. Jesus proved, demonstrated his ultimate power and authority over sin and death when he came out of the grave. He said, yeah, death has nothing on me. So here's the good news for you today. If there are things that you'd say, this is bigger than me and I don't think I can get through this, I'm here to tell you today, there's nothing that's bigger than our Savior Jesus. 
and he has buried sin and death and guilt and shame in the grave. And so if you are in need of grace and healing, of forgiveness, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus today. You've never accepted him as Lord and Savior. And today is the day where you're going to say, I believe that that's true. I've missed the mark. I receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Uh, then you need to get water baptized. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks when we do that next. That's the next step. Maybe you're here and your heart's just heavy because you're working out this process of sanctification. This is possible because of Jesus. It starts with Jesus and it is finished through Jesus and the work of his spirit. So hang in there. God is gracious. He will walk with you. He will carry you. Whatever weight is on your shoulders, it's not too big for our Savior Jesus. Amen? When he sat down with his disciples, he told them, hey, it's going to get rough here. but I want you to remember a couple things. I'm with you. I'm for you. And I'm going to show you, before they knew what was going to happen, I'm going to show you that I have authority over all things in heaven and on earth. His body was broken and his blood was shed for you and I because God so loved the world that he sent his son to save us. Not to condemn us, but to rescue us. We take this meal regularly because we need to remember that. We're not saved by any works that we do. We're not saved by us ordering our lives. We're saved by the grace of Jesus. And we're, we're made whole by the presence of Jesus working things out in us. Lord, thank you so much <laughs> that you see us today. You know every individual story, every individual Uh, issue, challenge, weight, suffering, sorrow. You see each one of us this morning and you look on us with love. You are here today. We choose to trust you. We choose to say yes to your spirit at work in us. Lord, if there are areas where we are out of alignment this morning, We choose to confess and come back to you. You are Lord and Savior. In you is life. In you is joy. In you is the fullness of life. Thank you so much for giving yourself for us. The body of Christ that was broken for you. Let's take this together. There's forgiveness in this place today because of the blood of Christ that was shed. Let's take this together. Stand with me as we worship.